0: Now is the time for the leader to qualify. Please stand when sharing. Say, so all may see and hear. We ask that you keep the focus on your recovery in this 12-step program. not this. Qualify until 9.30 a.m. Slash when the person tells me to shut up. Okay. All right. Now I stand. Hello. Can everybody see and hear? Me? I mean, not in general. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Carrie. consultant a reader. <laughs> Good to see everybody this morning. Um, so... Um, my friend and I were talking. We're like, okay, I've got to have a totally different story this morning, so there's something new and exciting to be online. Um, so I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I've been in OA for 15-ish years. I think 15. I think I've probably just been coming up on my 15 years in this program anniversary, and I'm coming up on 14 years of abstinence. Um, so that first year was me being here not being abstinent. So if anyone's new and they're struggling, that doesn't mean you're not going to get it. Um, And that was something I think... I I definitely didn't think I was going to get it. Um, You know, this program, um, when I first came in, was super confusing. And we use a lot of terminology and um, the 12 steps are very abstract and they're actually very concrete, but when you first come in, they appear to be very abstract. And it's not clear at all how how you even do this thing called working the 12 steps, let alone how that's supposed to have anything to do with my body and food and how it's supposed to fix stuff. Um, And luckily I came in miserable enough that um, I was willing to stay, even though it didn't make any sense to me at all. Um, And it creeped me out. (laughs) totally creepy me out but I but I I stayed and that I feel like is the first miracle for me of this program that I somehow or other had the willingness to keep coming back when nothing made sense when I was a total beginner excuse me and when I didn't even get how it was supposed to work it's like if you go play uh, like some kind of sport And everyone's like, oh, come on in. We have this, um, you know, turtle. And then you play. And you're like, what does that even mean? (laughs) Like, that's not even, those are no rules. Give me the rules, you know. And maybe, it was funny, uh, uh, this person I know, you know, he was talking about the 12 steps and he's not in a 12-step program. And... um, you know, he likened them to, like, levels on a um, a video game that you just, like, you achieve this thing and then you get to the next level and when you hit level 12, you're done. And it was kind of funny because that's not what it is. Um, you know, for anyone who's new, um, you know, here if not here, um, the, the 12 steps to the best of my understanding are questions I ask myself and practices that I do which functionally change the way I interact with the world. Um, it's, not, it's not a test I take. It's not a game I play. It's not um, something I achieve and get points for. Um, I get nothing from the outside world for doing them at all. Um, what I get is a complete shift in my mind. And that complete shift in my mind uh, allows me to interact with food in a completely different way that um, is not of my doing or or that I'm not capable of that I'm not capable of at all before I work the 12 steps Um, so the 12 steps are a way to rewire my brain so that I don't have to use food anymore that's why I work them Um, you know on the most like kind of concrete basic physical level that's what the steps do for me Um, and I came in here in my first year. I didn't work the steps. I, I took the workbook home, and I, I read all our literature, and I read the big book, and I read our OA 12 and 12, and I, you know, I was going to do the home study course, and I started to fill out the stuff on my own without the aid of the sponsor. And um, I went to a lot of meetings, and I, you know, I, I used a lot of the tools, and I did not get abstinent um, because I've come to understand that without, without, working the steps, and ideally without a sponsor to take me through the steps, I don't change. And the whole point of this is that for me, I have to change because all of my effort, all of my effort for my entire life to control my food ultimately did not lead to me being able to control the food, at least not on any consistent basis. And that's the trick because occasionally I could control the food, and that's the trick that is truly like that's the crux of the disease because that like fleeting moment of illusory control convinced me that I could and should be able to control food which is not accurate like for me for my physical being I can't but that occasionally I had been able to kept me from an actual solution for a really long time and that includes in this program um you know, I, I had to be in this program, um, stripped clean of my excuses to see that I had no solution on my own. And only when I really understood that I had no solution on my own, that um, my plan of eating was awesome and it didn't need a damn thing, because I couldn't do it. Um, it was only when that happened in here that I became willing to be changed by the steps to be functionally changed by the steps. Um, and that gave me the willingness to work them, because anyone hasn't worked the steps. They're brutal. <laughs> like, there's some some brutalness to them. Like, it ain't no walk in the park. You aren't, It's not multiple choice. There's no, you know... And I, you know, I've been here now. I've been abstinent for 13 years and 10-ish, 11-ish, however many months. And they are still brutal to this day. Like, there's some, you know... To me, the steps are like there's a splinter deep inside you, and you're infected and you have gangrene and all kinds of bad stuff is happening and you don't know it because you've had gangrene and you've had this funk inside you forever so you're just like my arm doesn't work whatever my arm's never worked and then all of a sudden you start working the steps and that disgusting splinter starts to come to the surface and it hurts and it's spooky and everyone around you can see that it's totally nasty and disgusting and it probably smells bad like and slowly as this disgusting splinter works its way to the surface it comes out and then you start to be able to heal and all of a sudden you're like oh there's another arm here, like, I can do stuff that I didn't know I could do before. Because I was damaged for so long, I was used to damage. I had been damaged with food for so long that that damage was normal. Struggling every day with food, um, hating myself every day for what I had eaten, trying to have, coming up with the new diet, because I thought, if I just can figure out the right diet, then I'll be able to control food. The problem was with the diet. That was the lie. The problem was with the diet I picked last time. It just wasn't the right diet. Or, oh, well, I'm just not doing enough exercise. Or, there's got to be some reason within my control that um, it just hasn't worked yet. I just have to think more. So if I think more, I'm going to fix the problem, and then I'll get to be like normal people with food. And, you know, I come to understand that I'm, that damage has been there for so long, I don't even know what I'm aiming for. And that's the scariest thing I think about being new in this program is that it's like I can't even see the finish line I'm running for. I'm just running. And I'm like, I don't know which way to turn. I don't... It's totally terrifying because it's like I leave... It's that thing like you know, leap and the, like leap and the net will appear. Well, when you leap, there's just nothing. Like, you're not seeing the net. You're just leaping into an abyss, sure that you're going to die. And that's what early recovery, I think, feels like. I'm leaping into an abyss, sure I'm going to die. Um, and then you find the net is being woven below you by tiny little net-weaving elves. Um, <laughs> A.K.A. my fellows in this program. You know, and that, it's terrifying. So if anyone is new or anyone's in relapse or suffering, it's terrifying, and that terror is appropriate. I should be terrified of this disease because it will kill me. You know, I say this occasionally to remind myself, if you stay around here long enough, you will see people die from this disease. No doubt. And people who have had time, people who never get time, whatever, this disease kills. Just like any other 12-step disease that, you know, I associate with more glamour. Um, It just kills in more horrible ways. (laughs) You know, it just kills in slower, more torturous ways. Um... So so what I get to do is I get to come in here and finally see that I can't control food at a deep, profound level. And as I see that, I become willing to get a sponsor. I become willing to listen in meetings in a way that I wasn't willing to before. And this can happen. This process, I find, happens for me over and over again with these rooms. You know, I recently, maybe a couple years ago, I got into a second 12-step program because... My disease in that program was stopping me from working this program. And I started feeling that I was going to go out, in a way. More and more I was inching back towards the food because the suffering in that other disease was such that I couldn't sustain life anymore. So I don't get to choose how sick I am. I don't get to choose how many programs I have to work to be a functionally normal person. I don't get to choose how much work I get to do in this program. I get to choose none of that. But what I do have the option of doing is doing that work so I get to be sane, you know, so I get to have um, a happy life, you know, or my best shot at a happy life. Because this program also, you know, 12-step is having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, dot, 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 dot. What I'm promised is a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. I'm not promised any physical stuff I'm not promised a sexy mate I'm not promised a house I'm not promised a cool job I'm not promised any of that what I get is a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps that spiritual awakening makes me makes me my most able to get that other stuff to do whatever footwork is necessary to have what other stuff that you know I believe that my higher power wants for me and I want for me in this life but the spiritual awakening is my goal for the 12 steps um you know, and that—that that is something that's constantly having to... I'm having to walk more and more deeply into that path. I have to, you know, with 14... Coming on 14 years of abstinence, my need for a higher power is as great now as when I first walked in. My powerlessness over food is as great now as when I first walked in. Um, I, the difference is now I know this program works. So unlike when I first come in and I don't know anything and I don't know the program is going to work and so it's completely blind faith that I'm doing all this stuff called the steps. I don't understand what the steps are doing to me. So the whole process of freaking out that happens when one may work the steps, like I have no experience with that and I just think I'm actually going insane. But then the good news is, you know, working the steps multiple times, I I at least know I'm not going crazy. I'm like, "Oh, this is the part where I hate everything and everyone." God, you know, I'm in my first step. "Oh, and now I'm afraid of everything." that's because I'm in my fear inventory. And oh, you know, like my defects of character all over everything being sprayed across the world. Oh, because I'm in my six and seven steps. You know, like I, I have at least the, you know, the self-knowledge can soothe me in that way because at least I know I'm not going crazy. unlike <laughs> like the first time when I really didn't know that. Um, so, you know, as I come in here and I, I have the ability to slowly be worked by the steps and to work the steps, um, I start to change. And then, my relationship with food starts to change and at first it's all of my self-will towards using a sane plan of eating. Um, I apply all of my self-will and because that's the proper use of will, the, the 12 traditions and the 12 steps, I mean the 12, the A 12 and 12 makes it clear, like, the proper... It's not that I don't use my will. I absolutely use my will. I use my will along the lines of doing what I believe to be God's will. <clears throat> so I don't just get to, like, lay back and wait for things to happen. I have to apply my will to the best of my ability. So as I'm doing that, I'm applying my will. the changes is I apply my will towards working the steps and using the tools, as opposed to what I used to do, which is applying my will towards working a diet and an exercise program. Um... Both of which may be fantastic and may work for normal people, but, you know, I am physically different than normal people. Um, There's something that happens to me where if I eat a bite too much of something, um, I don't say, oh, that was too much of something. My belly hurts now. I think I'll stop. That phenomenon doesn't happen for me. Um, What happens is, oh, I had a bite too much of something. I think I'll have four more. You know, oh, I'm an excruciating pain. I think I'll have seven more bites, you know. And then at some point, the pain becomes so much or the drug effect is so intense that I am effectively high. And in that highness, maybe I don't need to take, you know, the 45th bite. Just I can stick with 44. And then I get to, you know, wake up from my food coma the next morning, um, hating myself and unsure, once again, why I took that first bite, or the second, or the 14th, or the 19th, or the 45th. And that, that why, the question why, used to be super-duper important to me. Um, why do I do it? Why do I have this disease? Why do I, why, why, why? And now I don't care, because it's irrelevant. I have a solution, so why do I care why? Um, all I need to know is how to not And the how to not is to work the steps. You know, for me, there are a million options in the world. And if anyone is using those other options right on Rubba, right on sister, like do whatever works, you know. But the reason I keep coming back to OA is because OA keeps working. I have a normal sized body. I did not before. Um, At my top weight, I was probably 40 to 50 pounds heavier than I am now. At my bottom weight, I was probably 10 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, And that bottom weight was achieved by being on a diet for 15 years straight. (laughs) Not a very effective diet. (laughs) Um, And by compulsively exercising up to 21 hours a week. And I was 10 pounds heavier than I am now. Do the food math on that one. How much food do I have to be stocking away for that to be the reality? Um... And, you know, all that food was whatever the diet was at the moment. Like, know this, know that, know that, no that, know that. And all that stuff's awesome. And I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure it works for other people. I saw it working for other people. But for me, I just found the loophole in the diet. I always found the way. Like, oh, so I can't have that, but i can have a lot of that. Right on. I'm going to have a lot of that. Rah. Um, you know, and a lot of that. I don't care what it is, it's going to add up at some point. Eventually, if you're eating like 400 fields of broccoli, eventually that broccoli will catch up on you. I was the great broccoli murderer of New York City, you know. Um, And that, like, the good news is I get to come in here and I don't have to be eating constantly. What a relief what a relief not to have to be eating all the time or thinking about food all the time or exercising all the time or thinking about where how I'm going to exercise all the time or thinking about what diet it should be all the time or hating myself all the time. Like, And, and the thing is, functionally, I, I seemed fairly normal. Thank you. Okay, cool. Um, functionally, I, I seemed like a successful human being. I did very well in school. I had friends. Um, I had mm, decent relationships with my family. Um, You know, it seemed like everything was going right. And uh, it took a lot to keep that illusion together. You know, it actually, it took the food to keep that illusion together. And, you know, coming in here, one of the surprising gifts is that it doesn't have to be that hard. Nothing has to be that hard. Life isn't that hard. Life sometimes is painful, but it doesn't necessarily have to be hard, even in the pain. And that's something I, I didn't get, like, I'm capable of infinitely more joy now than I used to be because I actually feel. Um, When, you know, I mean, food is a legal drug, so it was never not available to me. And, you know, not eating and exercising got me just as high as eating did. So I was walking around high the majority of my life. Which means that I'm not really feeling a lot, which means I'm not really capable of being present a lot, um, which means my relationships are shallow at best, though I thought they were real, because it was all I had known. You know, I, again, my arm never worked, so I'm not going to notice that my arm doesn't work. It's just never been working. It's normal to me. And you, know, coming in here, it's like, it's like realizing that you've been living in a black and white world your whole life, and then suddenly there's color and it's blinding. At first, it's all overwhelming to live with actual feelings. Um, And amazing, it's beautiful. Life becomes more beautiful as I work this program because I can feel it more, because I experience it more. Um, And that, isn't that the point? You know, to have an actual life, to feel a life? Isn't that what we do, I mean here on Earth? I don't know. Um, And you know, this program teaches me, it teaches me how to be of service um, really, because I was, quote, of service before I came in here, um, because I should, because, um, because that would make me better in the world, or whatever. But in here, I get to learn about service for the sake of service. Service, not just in these rooms, I learned in these rooms. I learned that shutting up and listening is service. I learned to be a loving witness in these rooms because of that beautiful little timer. It's like, it's someone else's turn. and Now it's your turn. And now it's not your turn. Like the the safety of the format, you know, the safety of the structure of these meetings, the safety of the steps that it, you know, that I get to... I get to learn how to be a good person. I get how to learn how to be a good citizen. I get to learn how to be um, a good daughter. You know, I'm going back to visit my, my parents and I'm going to help them move their office. Because moving is super fun. Moving's not fun. <laughs> moving is a miserable nightmare. Um, but, you know, I, my parents had miserable nightmares with me as a youth, as a youth in this disease, certainly. Um And now I get to be a love and service and give back a tiny fraction of what I was given, you know. And I get to give a tiny fraction to a newcomer who is suffering and who has no solution. Because that's what happened to me. You know, my sponsor, he was actually my second sponsor. Um, You know, he had been in the program, it seems like forever to me. I think he had like five or six years when he started sponsoring me. And that man gave me so much of his life. He gave me so many hours of his time taking me through the big book one word at a time and, you know, showing me what these alcoholics did to recover, you know, back in the 1930s. And by doing that, he came up with nothing. There was no credit given to him. He didn't, he wasn't like, I came up with this awesome thing and you're going to think I'm so cool. He, he, kept, he was like, I don't know anything, but it seemed to have worked for these drunks. Let's just do what they did and he gave me the book verbatim so there was nothing to be made up there were no... I couldn't go wrong when he wasn't creating anything new the big book is a textbook for how to get from crazy to sane and that textbook has worked for millions of people so why do I want to reinvent it? it works in 164 pages of text on a piece of paper my brain is rewired that's some damn impressive writing I wish I could run like that. You know, that's impressive. And it's, it's from watching. You know, the people who wrote the book watched what worked and what didn't. Who died, who lived. And from that, they were like, okay, if this person lived and they did X, Y, and Z, Oh, this person did and they did, you know, A, B, and C. And then somehow they correlate all those letters and figure out which letters are the most important letters. And I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Even now, you know, at coming on 15 years or maybe even 15 years you know, like to this month of being in this program, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. The solution is always the steps. The solution is always the big look. The solution is always, you know, coming into the meeting. And I love it when people in the meetings talk about the big look and the steps and the recovery and what they're doing on a day-to-day basis to, to stay abstinent. Because I need to hear it today as much as I did when I walked in the first day. Because I'm just as in danger of dying today as that first day. That's the reality. Um, You know, science may do it one day, but it hasn't done so yet. Like, there's no scientific solution to this disease. Um, As of yet. Again, maybe somebody will come up with a pill you can take so you won't want to eat more than the correct amount of food every day. Okay. Would I still come back to OA? Yes. Because it's not about my body anymore. It's not about food anymore. It's about... It's about... Having a connection to something greater than myself, which makes life easier. Um, I don't have to figure it out anymore. I don't have to, you know, there's this guy I was talking to a follower this morning about, you know, this guy that I was getting to know and I thought, like, oh, thank you, one minute, like maybe something's gonna happen here. And the amazing thing is, it doesn't seem like anything's gonna happen here, and I get to feel sad about that, and I also get to thank God. I'm like, thank you, God, for helping me dodge a bullet. <laughs> you know? Thank you, God, for bringing me to what you have in store for me instead of me having to control everything. Oh, I didn't get that job. Oh, It's like every, every missed whatever of life, everything I think, like, why didn't I get blah, blah, blah? You know, having been in these rooms long enough, I, I get the actual proof that not getting blah, blah, blah gives me a better life. Every piece of suffering that I live through leads me to a better life. I get proof of that. I don't have proof of that when I walk in, but being in here for long enough, I get proof of that. Um, And if anyone's you know, new or struggling, um, you know, I'm grateful that I had the ability to keep walking the path so that my proof appeared before me. Um, You know, again, physical, emotional, and spiritual. That, that I get to have this body, thank you, without doing any exercise or, you know, being on a diet is a miracle. Um, but it is the smallest miracle that I've received of all the miracles I've gotten from this program. So, thanks for letting me share. Okay, this is time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you do not need to identify yourself. Um, please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Okay, got it. Check. Questions? Does anyone have questions? Um, two parts. what do you do on a daily basis? Stuff, and two, can you give us <laughs> the example of a problem in your life and how you use the steps to it? Okay, um, I'll try to move both. Um, first question is What do I do on a daily basis? Um, second is Can I give you an example of a problem I have in my life and then what I do? in terms of working the steps to deal with it, correct? Okay. Um, what I do on a daily basis changes over the years, um, mainly because I get bored and I feel like doing something new. Um, right now what I do on a daily basis and um, I had gotten out of this practice for a while was that I, while I'm still in my bed, I turn over, I get down on my knees on the nice squishy, pumpy bed and I say a minimum of the first three steps. And I, I say them and mean them. So sometimes that process will take me an hour because I'm not paying attention and I'm distracted and I'm petting kittens and, like, you know what I mean? So for at least the first three steps, I'm like, you got to focus, Carrie. Like, focus and actually pay attention and mean these three steps and apply them to today. So what I'm powerless over today may be, you know, I may add a thing. I may, like, not put a thing that was bothering me yesterday. Sometimes um, I've gotten back into the whole God box thing. Sometimes if I feel as if I, there are things that I just really want to control in my life, I break out a little scrap of paper in my little handy pen and I write down all the things that I think I'm in charge of or that I think God's totally jacking up or, um, you know, anything that is, is in my mind that day is something that it's my business to control. And I <coughs> write it all down and I stick it in my God box. I'm like, oh my God, that's yours today. <coughs> Tell me what's mine. Um... And then, you know, depending on the day, I, I sometimes will stay on my knees for the rest of the 12 steps. Sometimes I won't. It just depends on my mood, honestly. Um, but sometimes I'll stay at least through, like I'm reworking a fourth step in this program, fourth and fifth, so usually I'll add at least the fourth and fifth steps to that process every day. Um, what else do I do every day? Um... I I talk to God every day. I mean, I, throughout the day, you know, we pause whenever, um, in all moments of emotional disturbance or indecision, we pause, we ask for quiet pardon me, when we say God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference that I will not mind Be done <clears throat> the instructions for the third step are I do that in all times of emotional disturbance and indecision throughout my day there are other instructions like when we face indecision you know, we pause and we ask for inspiration from God inspiration or intuitive thought so I do that step as well um, some days for whatever reason when I feel more confused I'm more likely to go to God for more answers some days, when I feel like I'm handling it, I don't do that as well. <laughs> Inevitably, the days where I talk to God more go better. Um, so that's, that. you know, I, I mean, I, whatever, I use the tools as they, as they fit, you know. Um, I try to do morning writing every morning. I may not always do it. Um, yeah, I mean, tools are tools. So I don't always use a hammer if it's, you know, time to you know, make some pottery. Like, I use the tool to fit whatever the problem is of that day. Um, okay, so a problem that I've had and how I use the steps to approach it. Okay, so this, you know, this side that I've been kind of interested in, maybe something's going to happen. Um, you know, I have opinions about his behavior, shocking though that may seem. And, uh, you know, his values and et etc. Et and so how I use the steps is that, you know, when I... In all moments of emotional disturbance, first I stop, I pause, and I'm like, God, buddy? You need to handle this because I am not about to handle it the way I think you want me to. I'm about to handle it some other way. and It seems way more fun right now, you know. And so what I do instead is, before you know, like it says in the big book, in times where they're like when we're getting heated, we can pause and say like, oh, I think I better not have this conversation right now. And I back my little booty up and I go somewhere where I can do a little ten step. And you know, I can do a ten step in my mind. I can do a ten step on paper. Um, I find with people that I'm dating generally on paper more effective because you know like they're a little deeper generally and they need a little more paper in between me and my mouth um so you know I'll do I'll do a 10 step and I will make sure I get through the resentment prayers and my part before I have a conversation with anyone and then you know lately I'm in a thing where I'm like God save me I save me from defensive speech I always want to defend myself through my language. I always want to shield myself in all circumstances. And more and more, it's like, crack it open. Forget my pride. Forget my ego. Help me tell the truth, no matter what that does to me. No matter how hard it is. Help me be open. Help me be honest. Help me act with love and kindness in the world. And I pray for that too, because that ain't easy. That is some advanced stuff right there. So, do a little twitch. Yeah. So I okay. mentioned that you, for uh, a while, that you, your connection to the program was dwindling, and then you had to deal with another issue come right. Uh, so you had the whole Yeah, I mean, the question is um, did you know I had mentioned that um, my my struggles in another area of my life were taking me out of this program and that and the question was what did I actually go to that other program, work the steps, do the whole chenille? Um I am in the process of doing the whole schmeil because I discovered my powerlessness in another arena, and the only solution I know to powerlessness is the steps. So, you know, when I first came into OA, when I probably had around three years of abstinence, a bunch of stuff came up. It was like suddenly everything I was powerless over my whole life was a disaster. And so I visited a bunch of other programs. I probably visited like four or five other programs and I, you know, I, I went there for support. I went there for fellowship. I went there to be able to share about the program, honestly, whatever my struggle was. I worked some steps, but I think ultimately I discovered in those other arenas I wasn't truly powerless. I wasn't truly powerless, but this other one, I'm powerless, so I'm working the full deal. Any more questions? Thank you. Okay, the question is about um, what was my process of coming to leave? Um, you know I for me a big break in that came from not as much from the chapter Reagnostics because I mean it's it's for, there's actually an asterisk in the Reagnostics there's actually two of them that lead to the same appendix in the back of the big book called Spiritual Experience and that appendix actually is what cracked open the possibility of spirituality for me because I I was somewhere between an atheist and agnostic when I came in and um, I was pretty opposed to this thought of anything greater than me Um, and in reading that it says in the appendix spiritual experience it says you know the only bar to a spiritual experience are um, uh, intolerance or belligerent denial of something greater than me so the question was, was I willing to stop being intolerant of people who believed in something greater than themselves, and could I stop belligerently denying that there was something greater? I can deny there's something greater than myself, but I just can't be angry when I do it. I can happily deny, or you know what I mean? Like, so those two conditions are the only bars to spiritual experience, according to the big book. So I was willing to put aside those two things, and... Um, what the path for me was as simple as I've seen dead people they're not alive they're very different they're very dead and um, I can't make them be dead and I can't make them be undead so something undead, zombies, sorry um, <laughs> I can't do that either I can't make them zombies either um, so, so something is greater than me I can't do death and life proof of something greater than me I don't have to ever understand more than that. I can't make trees grow. I can't, I can't make an iPhone work, for the love of God. So, you know, I certainly can't. I definitely can't do life and death. Um, so that's proof of something greater than me. And that little crack in my, node. there's never anything greater than me, that crack was enough that it could become other things. I use the word God. Because it's short And I'm lazy Um, You know Sometimes like when I'm praying uh, You know A male God doesn't work for me I have to imagine a woman Um, Sometimes the race of that woman changes Depending on my mood Or sometimes there are a bunch of them Sometimes they have babies Sometimes there are animals involved Like whatever It's just the form of that Whatever it takes To to get it to where it feels Connected and real to me Is fine I don't You know God as I understand God For me is God as I never Am going to understand God God's bigger than my brain that's it I don't ever have to understand it I just have to know it's not me so it's that I think and, and honestly my relationship to God a lot of times involves cursing a lot of cursing lots of cursing I yell a lot at God lots of cursing so there you go my favorite prayer God blah 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 mm-hmm. thank you Gary. would you please talk about the service that you do and how it impacts yeah. Uh, the question was about what service do I do and how does it impact my recovery um, that, that again changes over the course of many years you know as, as I have you know um, you know just as life life happens um, right now I have fellows that I talk to I have a sponsor that I talk to and even that like that I talk to my sponsor is service because I'm allowing someone else to be of service to me and that's a profound change in the idea of service um uh right now I'm not doing I've done uh, like um where you go out and you do panels. I've done a lot of panels. I've done a lot of um, like nurse practitioner convention-y kind of stuff where you go out and you're in a tent and people come up and ask questions about OA and you give them OA information and tell them your experience, strength, and hope. I've done a lot of the kind of like HIP, you know, hospitals, institutions, professional stuff in our program over the years. Um, I'm not doing it right now just because for whatever reason, I don't know, it doesn't seem to be being offered right now. Um, I speak whenever I'm asked, wherever I'm asked. I'm also kind of a travel horse. I'm like, you me to speak there? Yes, I definitely will speak there. Um, so, uh, I think, and then, I mean, that's, that's within program. I think the biggest service that I get to give within program is showing up just at a meeting so someone's not there alone. Because when you're alone in a meeting, it's not a meeting. You know, it's just being physically in a chair, um, shutting up and listening, um, you know, texting. I do a lot of text service. Um, yeah. How does it impact oh how does it impact me um, it, it gets me out of me it keeps me abstinent how I stay abstinent is a whole series of things and I, I don't want to pull out one thread and discover that was the thread that kept me from insanity so that seems to be part of this mesh that keeps me abstinent so I keep it in the mesh um, you know it also it, it instantly whatever my problems are when I my, the easiest form of meditation is to listen to another human being for me that's, that's like instant connection to God instant out of my selfness, and that's my go-to form of meditation when I can't be quiet in my own mind listening to someone else's mind um, so it keeps me from being crazy is what it does so. okay, right on alright, thank you everybody <laughs>